right, welcome everybody to another episode of our Puget Systems live Q&A show. This week we're joined by Solomon Jagwe, uh, 3D animator, filmmaker, painter, illustrator. There's a lot of a lot of uh, hyphens, <laughs> and you do all kinds of cool stuff. I, I loved poking around on your website, and um, yeah, this is quite a variety of content. It's good. Thank, thank you so much, Houston. <laughs> right on. Um, and so I always like to start off, just in case anybody doesn't already know, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, give us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yes. So my name is Solomon Jagwe. I am very, very happy to be here, Houston, and uh, thank you so much for inviting me to speak with you. And I am based in the U.S. right now, but I'm originally from Uganda in uh, East Africa. And I've been doing uh, art and animation for a long time. <laughs> I've been drawing since I was a kid. So it's all about uh, storytelling that I'm trying to harness technology of today, softwares, and uh, to tell my stories, you know, African stories, as well as uh, science fiction stories cool right on well um i guess we'll just right right off the bat like uh you said you've been you've been drawing since you were a kid and stuff was there anything in particular that stands out as um kind of the inspiration for your art Yes. So if I think from a very young age, and this could also be because of our background, uh, because as Africans, and especially as uh, someone from Uganda, we come from di uh, different tribes. And I think uh, prob Uganda is probably the most diverse country in the world right now, because we, ha we, are, we were brought together by uh, colonial powers okay. <laughs> that, that decided, you know, these tribes needed to be together so that we could, you know, take over the land. But uh, we, we learned to get along, you know. So in that, you know, we have uh, different cultural beliefs and traditions. And one of the things that, uh, for example, from, from the tribe that I'm, I'm from, I'm in Uganda. I'm from the Buganda Kingdom uh, area. And we believe we have like these totems that are given to us for every clan. And so you cannot eat your totem, for example. Oh, okay. you know, so, so if your totem is a cow, you can't eat a cow. But we definitely tend to, it's mostly about wildlife, you know. So, for example, I am from the uh, edible rat clan. Okay. <laughs> And there is such a thing as an edible rat, and it's actually really big, you know. Yeah, so at my clan, we can't eat that. So, okay. but we, I come from that uh, background where my grandmother, you know, I grew up listening to her telling me stories, and you develop this, uh, you know, yearning or in connection to wildlife and wildlife conservation because the cultural aspect of it encourages, you know, first of all, not to kill them, right? Yeah. And so, my art is inspired a lot by wildlife. You know, I spent a lot of time studying nature and that's where I get my inspiration. Even for the science fiction uh, uh, concept art that I create, it, there is a lot, uh, there are a lot of influences that come from nature. You know, like uh, for example, I was watching, I was looking at uh, a praying mantis and it inspired me to create a robot you know like some kind of robot you know character like that so i love studying nature i love studying uh like david attenborough <laughs> those, oh, <sure. laughs> those uh, videos that they shared about uh, nature and all that uh, the documentaries i i love studying those and uh, getting inspiration from that oh that's neat i think honestly i think a lot more industries could take inspiration from nature there's yes there's a lot of, um, well, just clever solutions that, yeah, uh, you know, when you've nature knows what it's doing. And I feel like sometimes we don't really take the inspiration that we ought to from that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think about, for example, I was watching Dune 
and what they did with those uh, jets, you know, the, mm-hmm. they, they look like, uh, you know, like, uh, what do you call them? Like dragonflies. Dragonflies, yeah. The way they designed the, the propellers, not the propeller, but the, the, the wings mm-hmm. to become, to work as propellers, just like a dragonfly. That is nature at its base, you know. So I, I was so, so happy to see that. Yeah, that's that is, uh, yeah. I, th- I wonder if I wonder how that might work in real life, though. But um, like if it actually wa- like if there's a plane like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the, the pistons. I had when I was watching it. I watched it a second time just to study the mechanics of how that would work because I think you would need like pistons turning like an axle. Like you have like a bunch of axles are connected that are yeah. the turn like. Uh, I don't know. Be... You need a lot of power. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, that is really cool, though. Um, the, yeah. the sort of like biomechanical sort of yeah. uh, design. It's really, really cool. And I think they had to imagine some kind of power source to, to power those wings because a dragonfly doesn't carry backpacks of, uh, you know, like berries or anything. Right. But it flies forever, you know? Yeah. In some kind of uh, power source to to power those jet, yeah, those aircraft. Yeah, oh, that's super cool. Um, I'm curious too. Uh, so, as I guess, as you as you grew up and you got older and 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 kind of, um, well, as you grew up and got older, um, where um, I guess where did where did your uh, I guess education take you? So uh, coming to the U.S. Uh, was uh, not, uh, like uh, one of those blessings that I never expected. I wanted to come to the U.S. because I wanted to do a degree in fine art and I wanted to do animation. I was interested in animation, but by the time I started, I did schooling in Uganda, there was nothing to speak of when it comes to like training, you okay. know. It was actually, I was on a plane coming out of Yuga Entebbe Airport on a Sabina flight. And I met a lady on that plane. Her name is Hazel Collett. And someday I'll be able to tell the full story. But she had a dream that she had to be in the same flight as me. And we connected at that same airport. But she turned out to become my benefactor. She paid for all my tuition. Uh, so I finished college without a single loan, you know. Wow. But but once I came to the U.S., I I thought I was going to come to do painting. But on that flight from uh, from Europe, well, it wasn't Europe back then, but from flying from Europe to Boston, I saw this strange thing on the back of the, you know, those little TVs in the back of the seats. Mm-hmm. And I was watching that and I knew it wasn't human, but it looked, you know, three-dimensional. And at that point, I didn't even know what 3D was. I didn't know what I could, I'd seen movies. My the first movie that I ever watched was uh, First Blood. <laughs> oh, uh, jo- Rambo, right? Yes, yeah. Rambo. Yeah, <laughs> and we watched on a on a projector when I was in boarding school. You know, okay. so Rambo wasn't sci sci fi. You know, because so when I what I was looking at, I knew it wasn't what I'd seen in Rambo, right? But so when I got to the school, I asked them, you know, this is what I saw on this plane, and it really spoke to my heart. Uh, what was that? And they explained to me it was animation. And unfortunately, they didn't offer animation at that university. So I transferred to Maryland. And that's why I did an Associate of Applied Science uh, uh, with a concentration in uh, art and animation. Cool. I, work, I did it for two years and interned at the, uh, there was a uh, defense contractor that was attached to the Pentagon in Virginia. So they hired me, uh, they put, brought me in as an intern. And the 
responsibilities we had, we had to create animations and vehicles, Humvees, you know, guns and things like that, helicopters to train soldiers. Oh. And at that, at that time, they were doing some recruitment on campuses around the US. So you go to the table and they would give you, you know, flyers so that you can join the Air Force or the Army, whatever. But they had an idea. They're like, what if we made a video game and we gave that video game away for free. Right. And so that's that's what my comp- the company I was working for did. We created that. It was called Real War. It was an RTS. And uh, that's how I got into gaming. It was at oh. that company. Yeah. Neat. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I, I, and just actually just before the, the stream, I did. I looked up um, the Real War RTS. I wanted to kind of because I remember... Yeah. Uh, when I was, I think, just going into high school, this would have been around yeah. the year 2000, um, the Army made a game called America's Army for, right. I think, yes. similar purposes. <laughs> it was, it was a, trying to convince kids to, like, join the Army yeah. and stuff. And uh, I thought that was really strange, but I'm sure it worked a bit. They really put a lot of effort into that. Yeah, they did. And I think, yeah. I mean, the, the rationale is that uh, if you have these... Uh, you know, young soldiers coming in, you know, you go, of course, you're going to be sent to boot camp, but mm-hmm. uh, look at what is happening now in terms of the drones, how mm-hmm. often they are used. So if a kid, or not a kid, but if a student has been playing flight simulator for a long time, it's going to be a natural transition for them to be a drone operator, you know, mm-hmm. very, very natural. So I think that's what they were trying to do is that uh, if we inv- immerse these uh, students in these games, because the, when you are playing the game, of course, there will be like banners and posters join the army join the air force join it's like subliminal advertisement yeah yeah that's what it was ha yeah that's well um so uh, i I suppose not to date to date you or anything but about out of what what about um sorry stumbling over my words oh it's okay i'm I'm perfectly fine with that (laughs) at at about what what time uh, what year and stuff were were you just getting started in animation what was so i came to the u.s in 1996 you know and uh i remember jordan was still playing in the nba at the time so that was my first time to see jordan on tv and my my I was super, super excited. And so I graduated 1999 Mm -hmm. and I worked for the company that I joined. I think at the time it was called Cornerstone Industries. And I worked for that company for almost eight years uh, during that time. Yeah. All right, on. Nice. Well, um, so early on, what was, um, I guess, what was kind of difficult in the initial part of of your education and learning? I think the toughest thing was uh, joining, <laughs> coming to the U.S. as a as an African, sure. and not knowing about the challenges a black man would encounter in the U.S. Because there, are, there was a the school that I was at, the first university, they wouldn't even let me take honors English, because they said you have to go back to the basics. And I'd done literature, you know, in uh, in A level, which is a uh, it's like secondary school in the in Uganda. Mm-hmm. So I I done um, I've, I'd focus on history, economics, literature and art there's they call them like <laughs> stroke art kind of thing okay and so when i was when i came to the u.s and they told me i had to take i had to do like beginners english i couldn't understand why you know yeah. and so that uh, combined with uh 
the challenge is because I think most people, when you're black, they think you're interested in sports, you know, mostly they don't see you as an uh, in, interested in art and animation and things like that. So those are the things that were kind of tough to break into. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was a, a, I was a human being, but you come to the US and you realize you're actually a black man, you know? <laughs> and so that, that to me was uh, one of those eye opening things because every time I would apply for a job, of course they would ask you, you know, are, are you, do you speak English kind of thing? And, uh, but you, you could see that other people didn't have the same qualifications or rather they didn't have the same portfolio as you and you were passed on. You know, mm-hmm. for me, that was one of the challenges is that uh, people couldn't look past my skin color to see the, what I could bring, you know, to the table. And uh, I think it's still going on now. With the ch- I mean, it's getting better in terms of opportunities, but to see movies like Black Panther, I think has been so heartwarming to me because I come from a time when black, like movies with a, a black lead were kind of far in, in between. They were, they were rare, especially as a superhero, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think the black, black Panther has been so inspiring to African uh, storytellers and animators and filmmakers. And now when you go to Netflix, you're seeing more and more like Nigerian movies, you know, mm-hmm. movies from uh, Kenya, South Africa and things like that. So that is very, very, encouraging yeah yeah a good point uh we were just talking about this just before the stream um yeah. you know the the variety of of content because uh, in america we'd like to think that we're very worldly but but really we're only fed like a very very thin slice of what is 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 out there and yeah as a as a single person you can only consume so much content but man there is some really cool stuff coming from all different angles but in particular yeah. um some of some of what we might consider um poorer countries and things like that um yeah. and and I want to take this opportunity since it came up. Is there anything that you think people should check out that we wouldn't normally have been exposed to? Yeah. So, I mean, there's uh, unique studios. Uh, there's a company called Unique Studios, and the gentleman oh. is actually based here in uh, in Maryland over here. And he has created like a series of uh, comic books with uh, superheroes. Mm -hmm. And they made uh, an animated movie as well. And he's, uh, I think, I believe he's originally from West Africa as well, although he's based here. And so it's companies like that that are breaking through and introducing African superheroes to, you know, to animation and uh, to the world. Whereas before you only heard about, you know, like DC comics and Marvel comics, superheroes. So that is really, to me, it's, it's, so empowering that we are now seeing opportunities for uh, uh, African creators uh, talking about that. And I think, for example, for Asia, Shang, was it Shang Chi, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the new movie? I think that's also groundbreaking to see uh, like a lead that is Asian uh, who is actually playing as a superhero of sorts. Yeah. Uh, I think it's awesome to see the, the the variety that is opening up now. Yeah, I saw. Um in regards to Squid Game recently being ridiculously popular on Netflix, uh, it was kind of embarrassing. There was a a reporter who had approached the lead, and I I can't recall his name at the moment, um, but asked, was like, oh, it must be like a real surprise to you. You know, you can't step out of your house without being recognized, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out that guy has actually been really famous in Korea for like a long time, since like the 90s. He's he's been a, a big star there, and it was kind of... And it just highlights the fact that we're not... We don't, we're not exposed to a lot of different sort of content like that. And, and yeah. we 
take it for granted, I guess. It's like, this is all there is. And yeah. Because we have, we have like a plethora of uh, like African folktales from the continent, from the African stories. And you would think that there, there wouldn't be superheroes of sorts, you know, but our cultural uh, heritage and our stories are replete with uh, superheroes, you know, that we happy that we look to. And they, they are worlds. We talk about different worlds. We talk about uh, people who come and change like a continent and things like that. So, and I think most people are probably familiar with uh, movies made like Shaka Zulu, for example. Sure. Right, but then that's also told from in a Western point point of view. Like it's it's important to see the point of view of the African, you know, because now for the longest time we were waiting as Africans for someone to come in and tell us our own stories. And whenever they did that, it, there was always a twist, you know. Mm-hmm. They, it didn't it didn't come from the heart first of all, and then they would always leave out key things that would lift up Africans. And I think that's, that's slowly changing. Whenever, whenever I see an African doing an animation, for example, it encourages, it encourages me so much because I know they're going to speak from their, their experience and not someone else's experience. And I think it's so important to give them opportunities to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like this is a good, this is like one of those sort of um, seminal moments in history where yeah. there's uh, easy kind of easier access to tools right yeah. the um uh, you can make you can make some really incredible content with just an iphone and yes. and even an old iphone new iphone uh there's all kinds of free software and and i feel like people in general are also more open to hearing these stories they they want yeah. they want to understand their fellows um from different backgrounds and different um areas of of the world i feel like we're we're being more and more shown that um there are some really cool stories to be told and to be heard and there's there's more opportunity than ever for yeah for people to to get those out there and it's really yeah and i have a friend of mine uh, his name is uh lukman ali right mm-hmm. so he and i we, we we've been we've come from a long ways back because i i used to work with him in uh uganda i, I met him at uh, there's a studio called fenon studio in uganda in kampala uganda and there's a gentleman called steve jane he's the one that actually started that journey and inspired him but lukman ali is an awesome director that has gone through that process of just harnessing the tools and then using them to create awesome awesome films so his film uh the girl in the yellow jumper is mm-hmm. actually pre- premiering on netflix it's the first ugandan made film that's gonna be on netflix girl the girl in the yellow jumper so guys if you get a chance ch- check it out okay <laughs> it's, I, yeah and that, that was, that's what you're talking about, that uh, as more and more doors are opening, you're going to see more diverse stories coming out of uh, Africa. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to check this out. Already it looks just just the like the poster for this. Yes. looks really, really cool. Yeah, that is on a very, very tight budget. So imagine if we had, uh, you know, the kind of budget that uh, you see in other, you know, that other creators are, are given the opportunity to. So I think as more exposure with more exposure comes opportunities for people to see okay this is really quality work and if you're able to do it with such simple you know on such a small budget you can definitely do something better with a larger budget and they can trust him with that yeah yeah 
And I think it, I think it's important to highlight too that um, it, it, you it. I, sorry, I, I want to phrase this right so that I can get my thought out correctly. Um, it's important to highlight that if you have that that idea, yeah, you don't have to wait till you get all this crazy fancy stuff. If you yes. have something to say, if you have a have content something that you want to create yeah. and get out there don't don't let uh you know your your meager means kind yeah. of stop you there's so much there's so much cool so much creativity that can be put out there in it doesn't i don't know it, it kind of comes to the concept of like don't compare yourselves to like the the big the big guys just yeah. get out there and oh man it's so cool and also yeah and there was a, a message that i i was i had from there was a, someone who was uh ministering and harvest is going to be different from someone's seed time like when when you plant and in in africa we we're very familiar with uh agricultural terms right mm -hmm. that you someone else is going to plant a crop today and by the time you come around even if they were to plant a, a, a seedling for a tree by the time they come someone walks by and sees that tree has grown and then you are you are at a stage where you have just sown your seed. You shouldn't compare yourself to other people because you don't know when someone's seed was put in the ground, right? right. And so it's important that, like what you're saying, is that don't compare yourself. Whatever you have, start with that. And I, I remember in 2009, I wanted to create a. a there was a film called uh, it's called Galiwango Oblambwech. So it's about the uh, mountain gorilla. And it's a, a sci-fi movie, and I remember wanting to capture the facial, you know, performance. And I wanted to act as the gorilla. I also wanted to act as the wildlife ranger, but the technology wasn't there at the time. So what I did is I borrowed my wife's. Helmet, uh, the bike helmet, mm -hmm. and that's how I was able to to make my head mounted camera rig. I took my Android phone, you know, mounted it good, took my guitar stand, tore it apart, used some cables to tie it together, and that's how I was able to create a, the first head mounted camera rig that I ever worked with. And I didn't have to wait for you know technology. And this is two thousand and nine, so two thousand between two thousand and nine and in twenty twelve, right? Yeah. And so that's how I started. Uh, sorry about that, <laughs> the redness of the camera. <laughs> oh, it's all right. It's like it's getting dark and it's look like it looks crazy red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. We're going to have a filter on the final video. <laughs> but you're right. You have to use what you have uh, to be able to, to tell your story. And I think uh, slowly but surely you make progress. And I mean, I look back now at that mount, head mounted camera rig and the doors it open because it was that because of that uh, camera rig that i was able to share with uh, some of the people at uh, face where you know that they actually were willing to look at the work that i was doing and say you know what let's give him a, a helping hand and i remember when mick summer was still here before they were bought out by uh, adobe i went through the same process and they saw the work that I was doing and they were able to help me with three days at their motion capture you know, uh, studio in, uh, in California. So it takes, people will see what you, you're doing and that will help you. It will open doors if you just take that initial step. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Uh, uh, I mean, to kind of continue down that path, what are some of the resources that you used early on 
now now you're you're got all these connections with these kind of bigger companies yeah. and stuff but early on um how did how did where did where did you turn to for help early on i don't i mean Early in the, I think when we used to want to use motion capture, uh, we most of us used to turn to Mixamo because at Mixamo.com at the time was the resource for motion capture files, right? Okay. And so that's where we went. And uh, short of that, I mean, I, I took the experience that I, I garnered from those 15 years in the gaming industry and leaning into mentors, people who have actually mentored me. Because I remember when I first started out, there was a classmate of mine. Uh, his name is Rinaldo Leon. I call him Ray Bomb. <laughs> so he's the one that took me by the arm and said, Solomon, we have an opening at this company. I, I am doing classes right now, but uh, come, come join us as an internship. You know, you don't, don't worry about the money. Just come and get the experience. And he's the one that brought me through the door for the that uh defense contract that I, I ended up working for eight years and he brought me in taught me 3ds max and i remember we were at montgomery college at the time and we did premiere pro was in its earliest earliest infancy you know we used to have so there was a, a 2d program that uh, the professor asked us to use it, it was a like frame by frame kind of animation oh, wow. but when premiere came out we were like wow premiere <laughs> right and so and this is that 1999 before we graduated so it was uh it, it was in its earliest infancy but we were able to use it and i actually have that video on my youtube channel my very first animation i look back at it i am embarrassed by it but i'm also very very proud of it because i remember what we did to to get it to to get an a plus uh, at the time it we had to struggle just to make a, an animation in Premiere. And so whatever you have, if you can start with that, just take that initial step. And the technology, and back then there was actually YouTube came about what, in 2005, 2006. So there were no YouTube videos for us to watch, you know, as animation students. There was nothing. I remember there was a, a website called 3D Toto. <laughs> That's the one we used to go to for, you know, there were web-based tutorials. You literally had to go picture by picture by picture and read the instruction and then do the, the, uh, the lessons from that. So... I think people are blessed now to have a plethora of of videos, and actually, that's one. That's one of the reasons why I have my YouTube channel is because I remember how much I struggled back then. So what I, what I do is when I put up a video, I'm always thinking of someone out there who's trying to tell their story, but they don't have the tool or they don't know a tool that could be using helping them in their process of telling their stories. And I, I'm continuing to do that as much as possible. Oh, I like I like it. That's uh, and. Yeah, that's that's huge. Uh, the the fact that there's just so much more information available these days is yeah. incredible. Um, I'm curious, uh, what are you excited about uh, for the future? Say, from now to about maybe five years. From now to five years, I would love uh, to have finished a whole season of uh, the Adventures of Unkosa and Nancha. You know, because that's mm -hmm. that's been you know dear to my heart. And I'm passionate about teaching children about their cultural heritage and their languages, because I, I think children need to know they, they have an, an identity, like, especially like if you're a, an African who has uh, immigrated, you're living in the diaspora. 
when your kids are born here in the, for example, the US, or even if it's the UK or Europe, uh, they're still going to be referred to as African-American, you know, mm-hmm. they will, because they, they will group you up in that block of people. But you have a, a heritage, you have culture here, you have a language, you know, and a lot, for example, my wife is African-American. And one thing that she tells me, she shares with me is that she really wishes she knew who her people were, you know, because when the, during the slave trade, they, the slaves, when they were taken from West Africa to the to the U.S. or even to the in, Indies, uh, they had a language along the way. Even on those ships, they were still speaking that language. But once they got to the U.S., that those languages were lost. Generations forward, fast forward to now, multiple generations later, they don't even know the languages that their ancestors spoke. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very important for children who are in the diaspora to continually be taught what their cultural heritage is and also to hear about the, the folk tales. So instead of, okay, li- listening to you know, Rapunzel, for example, or Cinderella, and thinking that is those are the only fairy tales they are. Mm-hmm. We have fairy tales in you in Africa, you know, and they are in, in so many languages and they're told in so many different ways. Uh, you have Bugs Bunny here, but we also have uh, uh, the hare in Africa. In Uganda, we call him Wakaima, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, so there's like parallels and uh, those are things that I want our kids to learn, even as they're growing up here so they they have a choice they can choose to uh, immerse themselves in the american culture whichever country they're in but at least ha- let them have that option where they have the information where they came from sure to be able to yeah yeah no no, no that's important i i for my like for my own stuff i i don't know a whole lot about my ancestors beyond maybe just my grandma and great grandma maybe or something like that yeah i wanted to ask houston i do you have do you have viking heritage <laughs> um, i know well uh, to, to get into it a little bit i know my dad took a lot of a lot of effort to track our family tree as back yeah. as far back as he could but it got lost in about the like wild west times yeah uh, so like maybe mid 1800s we couldn't couldn't track it any further than like wild west and so yeah. as cool as that is like i'm a distant cousin to like the gangster jesse james or something like that oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um and that's that's cool that's interesting and stuff but um, yeah. on my mom's side i know that we have some scottish background but right. because she she has the last name mcintyre and so somehow that that trickled down but what does that mean and how does that affect like you know, our traditions and, and my life and, and the culture that I'm trying to either continue or grow from today. Yeah. yeah. It'd be it'd be kind of interesting to, to know more about that. And, and I think the more we have, uh, you know, children learning about their, you know, heritage, I think it's going to make for a more diverse, like, offering for example on disney plus or even netflix because then stories coming out of that, that heritage is going to be is those children are going to be the ones you know the storytelling effort going forward once all of us are gone they are the ones that are going to be able to tell stories so it's it will be such a sad story if it was generic you know yeah. and it would be the, the rehashing the same stories that are being re, remade when there's so many other stories out there in the world yeah too i think too it would provide an opportunity for us to learn how similar i think 
people yeah. all, we all really are uh, like you mentioned there's bugs bunny here and then and then there's there's uh the hair in yes <laughs> african culture and stuff and i imagine they occupy similar um similar positions in in those stories too right like yeah, the hair kind yeah. of a, tr- a tricky trickster kind of yes yeah yes he, he is a trickster and, and you know so, what's amazing yeah because before uganda got its independence in 1962 and so prior to even to all that we we had our own stories you know storytelling was like oral tradition through and through we didn't have books you know our stories were not written down but our grandparents and great 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 parents would pass on those stories through you know fireside uh, oral tradition folktelling you know sure. and that's how it was you know carried on and on so but the hair is uh, i mean it's we have wild hairs in in uh, africa and they are, they have really really long legs you know <laughs> they can run really fast so i think they our grand grandparents studied those animals and they they so they put together some stories to teach us some morals around you know the you know properties or like the characteristics of an animal for example there's a short film that we created uh, it's called the angel of the elephant tail mm-hmm. And it's based on the uh, the fact that an elephant has a tiny tail, right. and the and the elephant. The story goes: the elephant was ashamed of its tail, you know. And the the mother pe- uh, elephant tells the baby elephant, "You shouldn't be ashamed of your tail because you're beautiful, you're big, you're strong. Yeah, so you should be you should appreciate the way you are created." But it's things like that, you know, stories like that when you share that with a child it helps their self-esteem you know to f- look at themselves different like you know what i am worth it i'm you know i am beautiful i uh, even if i am dark-skinned even if i'm short even if i'm tall i am beautiful as i am yeah i like that yeah yeah that's so cool. i love this i just it's good it's good to there just needs to be so much more positivity and and, and bright stories out yeah. there more of that i think that's good because uh to kind of lead toward another topic that we were talking about just before the stream um there's not there's not a lot of that a lot of there's a lot of push um or it seems at least it feels like there's a lot of push to to not really accept who you are to, to kind of present right. this this super polished and um almost fake sort of yeah. presentation um, yeah yeah yeah. I think yeah, for and I think I was going through the meta human creator and some an idea struck me. I was like it's going to be so easy for people to create characters with this system, right? Yeah. It's and once it gets more mature and they add, you know, more clothing, you know, sunglasses, gloves, whatever you name it, it's going to be so easy for example for a company that has like human resources and they can easily go in and create a black character. Mm-hmm. you know to fit to to full like to, to fit their quarter of hey we are trying to be representative uh you know and so they say we have a meta human who's black therefore we don't need to hire a black employee you know kind of mm-hmm. thing and so it's things like that that you know got, got me thinking that it's going to have to be like responsibility when it comes to 
when this technology comes to us, how do we use it, you know, honestly, without depriving, you know, people of color of opportunities, for example, you know, because on the, on the flip side, you know, if you have a story and you want characters from different regions, it makes it so much easier for you instead of hiring, you know, an actor for you to, to be able to go to the meta human creator, make 10 people and you're able to shoot a movie. You know, it's going to kind of democratize filmmaking mm-hmm. because I, I was here thinking, you know, I wanted to tell the origin story of my kids series. The, our, the, oh, yeah. 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 And so I made uh, a critic grandfather using the metahuman creator and i created two kids now unfortunately they don't have babies yet right <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can have babies and metahuman creator just yet so hopefully it, got, it changes and i wish they had meta animals you know so you could have Ooh, pets sure. But that's uh, the fact that I was able to create that short film in the space of about a week. It, it opened my eyes and it's like, man, technology is catching up to a point where people are going to be able to tell their own stories and they're able to be able to tell them authentically. So if you have an idea, you know, that you want to pitch to Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever, it, get, it becomes much easier for you to create a character that you feel represents the person, the story that you're trying to tell, regardless of where you're from, the you know, different backgrounds that you're from, how you raise, how you identify as, you're able to create a character that then you're able to use to tell a story. And I think that's where the value comes in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm ex- very excited to see what more comes out of, of like metahumans and, and things yes. like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, though I'm curious too. Um, so the, the, I guess with metahumans and then Facebook changing their name to meta and then yeah. people, people throwing around the, the metaverse word a right. lot. NVIDIA has their omniverse. There's, there seems to be this, we're on this path toward a sort of ready player one sort of yeah. future. Um, yeah. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Oh man. So <laughs> I created a metahuman and mm-hmm. I, I had this. YouTuber, it, right? Yeah. Yeah, the VTuber, and uh, so he's a virtual character, and it was just a chance thing because I was working on a project that was supposed to highlight uh, the actor core characters that Reillusion makes, mm-hmm. and out of it came this guy, you know, that people were responding to really well. I was like, hmm. And then I watched uh, Corey. He, he made Blue, uh, his character that met the, the it's like a VTuber slash alien slash metahuman. I was really, really inspired by the work that he did. And so I was like, you know what? I love music, right? And I want my VTuber to be able to play music anywhere without being constrained. And so that's how the idea, you know, started as uh, I'm going to make this guy. And because he's a, a metahuman uh, and a VTuber, you could actually go back in time and he becomes young. You can go fast forward when he's older and he's reminiscing about his younger days as a, a, a hit maker, you know, take him all the way back to being a kid as a young metahuman kid, bring him back to when he's a teenager, bring him back to, you know, it's amazing what you can do with these uh, metahumans. For me, that's that's what opened my eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so cool. And the fact that I was, uh, the Unreal Engine made it possible for me to do this in real time without having to render anything. I was able to actually do it in real time. Hello. You know, yeah, that's, and uh, I have to say, I have to take a pause 
and say thank you so much, Project Systems, because without this pro, this uh, computer that I have right now, with a thirty ninety card, and uh, the the Threadripper, my gosh, that's how I'm able to actually pull off this uh, the the VTuber because with this kind of power. I'm able to first of all do get like over 30 frames per second in real time, which something I never could have been able to to do on my previous system. Even with the I have a dual uh, 28Ti setup, but that one wasn't able to do it because the Unreal Engine at the time couldn't take advantage of the, the, the dual GPU setup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so the 3090 you know changed my life. I, I was sharing with you that there was a, the life, my life before the project system, and my life after. <laughs> The project system. I, I'll always look back in time to the day that system came into my life because it changed the way I tell stories. It changed my ability to be able to create animations, fast animations. Even when I wanted to do like final pixel render, I could do it in minutes. You know, just watching this, you know, the min, min, uh, movie render queue just spitting out frames like that. It, it's like magic. You know, and so I am super, super grateful to this system. I, guys, I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and uh, um, just to kind of give a little more context to that, um, there was an email exchange that we had, or er, yeah. I think about a month ago or so, where you had mentioned that to to have accomplished a certain render. I can't recall. I think it was the first episode of. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, it would have taken weeks. And, and yeah, other, yes. with the new machine, it was like two and a half minutes or something. Was- yeah, so I got my machine in August, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right now we're in November. So yes. August, September, October. In that period of time, I've managed to do four, 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 four movies in that period of time. And one of those movies is actually for a, a young director who is from Uganda. Her name is Siobhan. And she's directing debut. And she's already received invitations to different film festivals. I, where it was, it took me, uh, that film took a year to get to that point. Mm-hmm. But once that system showed up, they grabbed me, the productivity just shot through the roof because I could render like test uh, scenes for her to see. We could actually, because she's she was in Uganda at the time. Oh. And uh, the, the lady who's in charge of what is called Kemionda uh, Cotino, she's also from Uganda. She's an actor and a director herself. She is the one that set up the fund to help these uh, five Ugandan directors. And so she picked me to do the animation uh, part of it for one of the animated films. The others were live footage, and this, the fifth film was supposed to be animated. And so it took us from last year, the pandemic hit, and we couldn't do much. So we had to do long-distance directing. Mm-hmm. This system, we were able to, she was. She would be in Uganda, and we do Zoom sessions where she's looking right into the Unreal Engine, and she's able to pick camera angles as a director, flying through. So we worked together with a, a, a friend of mine. His name is uh, Bruno Sekandi. He's from Uganda. And he, he built the village where mm-hmm. this uh, film takes place. And the setting is uh, uh, this uh, army soldiers attack. It actually is based on uh, uh, is 
real life because the film is set in northern Uganda and the soldiers attack the village. I wish I could actually share it, but right now it's doing the film festivals, so I can't sure. really put it on YouTube. But the soldiers attack the village. And so I had to offer her an opportunity to go through the entire village and pick key shots where the trucks drive through, where the soldiers are firing, where the little girl is uh, you know, going to be at the time without me giving away too much. But it made a huge difference being able to do that in real time for her to rotate the village, go down to the ground level, look at all the uh, the decals and the huts and the and they actually turn on the fire so you can actually see where the uh, the action has been taking place and be able to see the dust of the truck as it's driving through the village. It, it's just life life changing. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, um, how tough was it to do that sort of remote? Um, that's that's it, long distance. I mean, that's yeah. eight plus hours of of time difference. Like, it, how how did you guys accomplish that? We had yeah, uh, we we did Zoom. It was a Zoom session that we did, and then I would share my screen. Uh, fortunately, with that, when you do the sharing screen, it's in uh, 1920 by 1080. Nice. But the videos are always, you know, kind of right. dumped down, <laughs> so she could see it in real time. And we, I had to stay up late because they are. It, 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 you're right. We have air eight hours behind us, and so mm-hmm. it, when it's uh, seven a.m., you know, in the morning or it's midnight or before midnight over here, and so it was a challenge. But that's I think having a machine that can handle that kind of uh, data made a big difference, you know, because then I could show her unlit and I could also show her with the setting in Unreal Engine set to lit so she could see the final render and make a decision. Okay, that shot, I'm signing off on it. Let's move on to the next one and things like that. So it's... It, <laughs> I don't know how I can even, ex- you know, I feel like I want to say everything in one one second, but that's how much of a difference the system made. And having a, a card with, a, I mean, a computer with a 3090 card. And I mean, I, there was a, a choice between the higher end card that has the 48 gigabytes or, uh, yeah, gigabytes of RAM mm-hmm. and the, the one that I have right now. Uh, but the tech team encouraged me that uh, having the 3090 would actually so they you my system was customized especially for the unreal engine right. because i mean i could, I could have a, had i said i work primarily in Maya or 3ds max my system would have been you know configured to work best in that environment but uh, what they made for me what they sent to me was customized so i could do the best work i could in the unreal engine yeah, oh, that's yeah. super cool. That's exciting to hear. Um, yeah, just that it that how I guess the how I'm sorry, I'm having trouble <laughs> thoughts to words. Um, just how enabling it, it yeah. is for and I'm curious, do you happen to know is there a way we could share? I know you were saying that the movie is making some festival rounds. Yeah. Do you know off the top of your head which ones? And is there, do you know of a way that maybe we can share that? Let me, yeah, I can, let me talk with the director okay. and uh, I'll send you the link so maybe people can go check out uh, the next uh, festival and they can see it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love it. But uh, the director. 
the results. And so uh, I was happy too, because I, I'd promised her that this film was going to look great. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it took us almost a full year before I could actually live up to my, you know, my, my dream, her dream. It really was her dream. But I also, as a, uh, you know, when they task you to be the animator, you're essentially helping the director, especially for her because being, this is her, this is her first film. I didn't want to mess up, you know. Sure. I wanted her to be proud of it, but I also wanted to open up doors for her. And uh, clearly it's doing that. And I think for, for that, I am extremely grateful. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I like, again, again, it just helps to get more exposure. It gets people to see new ideas and stories, new ways of, of seeing the world. And yeah. that is super cool. I, I'm... That's, I've always loved that about the internet, even as a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, I was playing games with people from around the world, but but then just learning more about it, like just yeah. how different different places are. And I think it's just it's really good for everybody to be exposed to different ways of. And what was really awesome is that uh, this was an opportunity for uh, a female, a, a Ugandan female director to be able to put her name, you know, out there in the world and for her story to be told. And I think me coming alongside to help her and be, being enabled or helped along by Puget System. So Puget System essentially helped me achieve the goal that she wanted to achieve. And now she's able to, to live that dream. And hopefully we get to see more work from her and more female directors as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the, I'm, I'm excited. I love, I love the time of, of history that we're in right now yeah. where um, – the, the barrier to entry is is so much lower yeah. than it than it ever has been. You don't need the approval of, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but you don't need the approval of a bunch of old white guys <laughs> to get your to get your content out there. You can just yeah. there's so many ways of of getting your your idea in front of 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 so many different kinds of people. Yeah, and and there's really nobody there to stop you, but the the audience like you yeah. just put it out there and people either like it or they don't and you can almost instant feedback you can change things and iterate so quickly oh it's so exciting you're, i mean you're right because i think you're you're you're, you're right houston because uh, i think being able to uh, they went when the technology catches up and i think i was sharing this a little bit because uh, I, I was studying james cameron mm -hmm. when he made avatar and it took him more than 10 years to bring that uh, film to life and the technology hadn't caught up to his dream you know what a time to be alive right now you know because i was looking at we're talking about my, my you know matt workman mm -hmm. and the work he's doing with the Vicon systems and all that and even seeing the different motion capture suits that are coming up on the market Unreal Engine 5 you know it's amazing to see the Mandalorian being you know created with the Unreal Engine and being able to turn something around in a pandemic it's incredible I think we live, we're living in a really awesome time yeah I agree and uh, you mentioned Matt Workman um, just another great example of somebody who took um some very basic stuff yeah and 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 he's like i have this idea i know i can do it all i have are these weird kind of different bits and pieces and he put it all together and really just cobbled a bunch of stuff together that wasn't really meant to work together and yeah. and now a few i mean i think it's been 
three, four, five years he's been crunching away at this stuff. And now yeah. look at where he is and 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 then the industry as a whole too is just yeah, I mean, th and think about Gabriella and sure. uh, and Winbush, you know, and uh, you know JS Films and like these all these guys that are harnessing the technology as we speak, you know, uh, so 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 awesome, man. <laughs> it's yeah. very exciting. We're, it's a a big explosion of content, all kinds from yeah. all different angles too. Yeah, I mean, it's so neat. I'm really excited to see more applications like you were using with with MetaHuman making like this virtual avatar yeah. in real time. That's that's you know you and your face kind of making that stuff work and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's going to be super cool. I think it's yeah. I have some ideas that are brewing in my head, you know. So you're definitely going to see more stuff. And with the way uh, this system is uh, is making it possible for me to, you know, just uh, dream big, you know, because you can dream. Because I grew up in a village in Uganda, deep in Masaka in Bia. Because I used to look up in at the uh, sky, and I see planes flying. I would all ads you know mm -hmm. but you don't know until you get close to it and then you get in the plane and then you you know it can take you places that's how i feel with the technology because i have this dream but now i have the tools to make it you know to, to bring it to life uh things that i never had 10 years ago things that you know software that wasn't here uh, so it's it's amazing that uh, we are living in this time and i encourage people out there that no matter what the idea is, just do something little every single day, something little towards that dream. Because I, I had a, these dreams, but I, all I did was I started with sketches, mm -hmm. I started drawing, and then from drawing to doing some previews, and then from previews to the, finally the Unreal Engine came around the corner and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, they're metahumans, I can actually use that to bring them to life and uh, they can use that uh, to pitch to somebody. I was gonna share with you, yeah. I almost forgot, uh, just recently, I, was, I think it was uh, last week. Uh, so, you know the MetaHuman, the VTuber you were asking about? Yes. So he was invited to speak to a, a group of business people in the UK. So he got his first gig as a virtual character. And so I dressed up in a motion capture suit and they introduced me. They played the music video first, which mm -hmm. is a no, no meta human, no cry. Yeah. And then the host uh, anime asked me, so tell us about that music video. And so I showed up as the meta human, talked about how how big a hit it is in the in the metaverse, and the meta humans are mad, you know, with me because I said no meta human, no cry, you know, kind of thing. So it was amazing. And of course, the response was awesome because people were interacting. They were asking the MetaHuman questions, you know, the VTuber. And I was able to answer in real time. They were able to see me responding. And then I asked questions back. So it doesn't come off as pre-recorded. Right. So it, it was incredible because here I was as a virtual character, something that I'd created, you know, just as an idea, getting hired and getting paid. <laughs> to do a job as a, as a virtual character. So the opportunities are there for the metaverse. Yeah. I, I love, I love that just even the way you were talking about a, as a, as a him, as a, as a, as an entity on its own, <laughs> separate from yes. yourself. That's yeah. A, that is a that's a an important thing to to mention because that's that's a that's a huge mind mindset shift. This isn't this isn't just oh I'm just 
it's a character. It's a it's a yeah. person. It's no different than if you were acting as you know in a live action film or something. But this, I love how you referenced it in a way that this this character exists separate from yourself. I think Is, that isn't that wild? Yeah, it is. Well, you know what's amazing that other people recognizing that and then saying we want that character to come to our event because they do this uh, event every year and they actually do it in uh, at they physically before the pandemic they used to meet at a beach they would actually congregate at the beach and talk business and they would have like breakout groups and things like that so this time around because of the Unreal Engine, I was able to recreate a, like a beach scene. I just mm-hmm. went to the the Unreal Epic Games marketplace, mm-hmm. picked up some items, put together a beach scene, and I was able to show up on their event at a beach. And they were all like, man, we wish we could be right there. And during the creating process, uh, one of the, the leaders asked me, so he said, you know, every now, every year we try to have the guests wear something purple. Okay. Can, is there is there something you can change in that scene to be purple? I was like, oh yeah, I can change the, the drink to be purple. I went in, changed the material color to purple in real time, and they were like, yes, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I just I love that concept of yeah, because I mean, it, it's just the implications like for the future of that sort of of yeah. mindset or or just the look of it. Like they they hired you. Kind of, but almost more of. like an yes. agent for the yes. character. Absolutely, and, yeah. And that's incredible because that means like someone, you know, such as yourself, you could have a whole different, a whole set of different characters for different yeah. applications and stuff. And like in... Oh, it just ooh, absolutely man. you become you become almost like an agent of actors that you've created and people can come and hire them think about that you know someone who has been if you were like a a director right mm-hmm. and then one it's like your character could actually become popular to the point where they might hire him to show up in a real movie you know in the future they might hire your character Film as himself, maybe taking on the role of somebody else, like how Denzel plays multiple roles. Mm-hmm. You know, your creation could be hired to play a role for some somebody else's, you know, oh, film. That's that's actually a, a kind of a mind blowing thought because there's plenty of there's plenty of people out there who you know who do like voices and impressions or, or things like yeah. that, and who maybe aren't necessarily comfortable with their own self being. Yeah. Uh, you know, on a camera or whatnot, and yeah. so well, then it's it's no, it's really not that difficult or that big of a, a leap to say, well, you yeah. know what, I I can do this accent really well, but I sh- maybe I should look a little different way or or whatever, and it's really cool. I yeah, like this idea a lot. It's really really neat. Cause, yeah, because even then, because I was thinking that if if, for example. My metahuman, the VTuber, if they were, okay, they love him, they hired him this year, but maybe next year they want him to show up at a different event, dress different, maybe a younger self, because it's the metaverse after all, mm-hmm. right? So you could have created versions of him so he can actually be. Now, the key thing is that they still want your voice, though. Right. That is that is the the key is that they still want to connect with you because the character has to embody your voice. And I think that's the unique part of it, you know, is that people still are interested in you, how right. you brought this character to life. Yeah. Yeah. 
oh that's yeah because that is that is an important distinction it's still it's still kind of you but like you're yeah in a costume in a sense yeah but still it's really really just like you say real player one right <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and that i suppose you, you stretch that out far enough and that does kind of get you into the sort of sticky maybe the like yes. I think we'd mentioned earlier about the moral implications of some of the yeah. the virtual world sort of thing and the maybe the dissociation between your your real self i suppose and then and perhaps the character that you because yeah that's that can be real interesting um yeah you know do they do they like you or do they or like, do they like the character yeah 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 and i think that's one of the things that uh, facebook has been grappling with you know the implications of uh, social media and what it's doing to teenagers and things like that mm -hmm. so there are real world issues that uh you know are gonna have to be dealt with and as me as a storyteller i feel like i have a you know a moral responsibility to use the technology wisely and responsibly uh so that uh it, there's no abuse you know and sure. i mean there's always gonna be just like there's the dark web <laughs> there will be people who are going to use it for all kinds of things but yeah. uh i think it would be awesome if we self-policed yeah. and at some point i don't know maybe there will be like a union for meta humans <laughs> 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 uh, that would be funny that will be neat but yeah. yeah no i do i do think generally just like the internet as a whole yeah. there the yes there are some terrible uses that people you know have have twisted this technology to yeah. to accomplish but overall the i feel the impact especially as, as this this metaverse sort of these virtual world sort of thing concepts grow i do think yeah. overall it will have a positive impact and a, and a yeah. good it is a good thing it's but yeah it, it it's gonna be tricky to to navigate how we use these tools yeah very true very very true yeah. Yeah, uh, we're just at our hour. Um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about or mention or shout out? Any, anything people should should see or, or go? Yeah, so, I mean, if uh, people get a chance, they could check out the adventures of Unkoza and Nancha. Please subscribe mm -hmm. to our YouTube channel and feel free to subscribe to my YouTube channel as well because I'm always out there trying to help my fellow creators uh, to bring their visions to life. And I'll continue to do that for as long as I have breath, you know. And I encourage people, as the, wherever you are in this pandemic, uh, please take heart. You know, don't don't give up on your dream. Just try to do something every single day to put towards that dream, as always. Yeah, just dare to dream big. Yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of the day to join us. Uh, this yeah. was a really good talk. I love. I really enjoyed talking with you today, Solomon. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, Houston. <laughs> I, I truly, truly appreciate this, and thank you to the entire Puja System team. Absolutely, and I'm super stoked. I'm keep keep an eye on on your website and your YouTube channel and everything. You get, you're doing some really cool stuff, and I'm excited to see you grow in the future that you have. It's super cool. Thank you. I, I didn't, we didn't get a chance to take questions, but uh, maybe another time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as I always like to thank the audience as well for joining us. Uh, we do this every Wednesday. Sometimes we have external experts like Solomon on and uh, our own little pulpery of internal experts like Matt uh, and, and our support and, and our sales team as well come on every once in a while to help you guys out because uh, we always like to kind of give a peek behind the curtain of how the content that you uh, consume on a regular basis is actually created and some of the things that I think the general audience just kind of takes for granted and how it actually comes to be. So um, yeah. 
do mark your calendars to set a reminder. Tell your friends Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Pacific, right here on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, so, yeah, thank you guys very much, and we'll see you all next time. Thank you. Thank you so much.